Yelich sends one to right center and deep. Get up! Get up! Get out of here and go! For Yelich, he has tied the game with a booming home run. He got it all. Tied up 4-4 on a big home run the pitch. Ryan Braun sends it to right center and deep. Get up! Podcast presented by the Wisconsin Sports Trilogy, the podcast not them diehard Brewer fans, but also for those fans who enjoy cheering for a team that revolves around beer. My name is Tyler, aka T Plush, your host for the show. I'm a contributor for reviewing the brew for Fansided and one of the founders of the Wisconsin Sports Trilogy podcast. You can find all the work we do on Twitter at trilogy underscore pod. Joining me as always is good buddy Trevor, aka Sunshine Bender. You can find him on Twitter at Bender underscore Trevor. He is a host of our Packers Trilogy podcast in which that season is starting up and is just around the corner. It is officially week one of the NFL as I'm recording this, so that is exciting. We will be recapping the Cleveland Indians series here with you today. And joining us will be special guest Jack Stern. He has been on the podcast now two times before today and will be handling the brute of the podcast. So really quickly, I'll just recap what happened over the weekend. Game one against the Indians was the 7-1 Brewers win. It was a good night for Kesson here as he drove in three runs. The Brewers scored four runs in the seventh inning, which really kind of helped them blow the game open, followed by two more runs in the eighth inning. It was a great start for Corbin Burns going six innings strong. Only walked two, which is good for him. Three hits allowed, seven strikeouts. Brewers finished the game with Brett Suter, who went two innings scoreless, and then Alex Claudio in the ninth. It was very good also as we got to see the debut of Daniel Vogelbach. Collected his first two hits as a Brewer in that game as well. And after Friday, it certainly seemed like everything was going well. You thought we were getting some momentum against a really good team. And then the Brewers dropped the next two games. So Saturday was a 4-3 Brewers loss. It was a very well-played game um, in terms of the excitement level. As for the Brewers, uh, well, Brandon Woodruff was on the mound, struggled, didn't even get through the fifth inning. But then after that, Freddie Peralta and Devin Williams came in, were keeping the game close. It was tied 3-3 going into the ninth, and then Josh Hader surrenders his first hit of the year, which was a leadoff double then throws a wild pitch, and then gives up the game-winning hit right after that. So super quick ninth inning. Uh, was rather depressing just how fast it ended there, um, but we can't expect perfection out of Josh Hader, and it finally showed there on Saturday. Sunday was another Brewers loss. This one was 4-1, to one, and really kind of the same story of the season. Brewers get guys on and can't bring them in. It was a pitching matchup I was really looking forward to seeing. That's when Shane Bieber was on the mound. He fanned 10 Brewers, a lot of them really early on, and was just mowing his way down this lineup here. Brett Anderson, 
not didn't pitch too bad. I mean, he gave up some runs, a run in the first inning, and then settled down, ended up going five innings. He did get tagged with all four earned runs, um, which, you know, isn't obviously the greatest. Um, but, of course, in those middle innings there, he started pitching a little bit better and gave up two runs in the sixth inning, which was really that crooked number that gave him in there. And... Yeah, Brewers could not get it going offensively and very frustrating, especially seeing how they played on Friday night. So without wasting any more of our time here, we're going to get over to our interview with Jack Stern to talk more about this series. And welcome back to the podcast here, Jack Stern. We are excited to have you back for what is your now third appearance on the show, our most popular guest by far. And since we've last talked to you, you've become pretty famous, so we're very excited for that. And you, of course, are here to talk about the Indian series with us today. But before we get there, Jack, how are you doing? How are you doing? How things been since we last talked? I'm doing well, and I hope you guys are doing the same. We certainly are. Our Brewers, on the other hand, a little bit of a different story. So they obviously lose two games over the weekend versus the Indians. And I'm just kind of curious to what your biggest takeaway from this series was. I mean, I think the biggest takeaway is something that we've seen, you know, feels like we've seen it a couple of times now here this season. It seems like the Brewers finally have that breakout game where it looks like the offense is finally starting to click. The pitching's looking good. Defense is sharp. Everything is finally starting to fire on all cylinders. And then that momentum does not last beyond that one game, maybe two games. And it's just kind of right back to the... The mediocre style of play that we've seen for much of the year and the offense goes back to struggling in game one on Friday night. They score seven runs in what is a very nice win against Cleveland. And then the next two games, they score three runs and then ultimately they're held to one run in the series finale and they end up dropping the series two games to one. So it just feels like it's a continuation of the frustrating team that this has been to watch all season. And they're kind of stuck in this this spot where they haven't quite played good enough to get back to that 500 hump and you know time is starting to run out I mean I know it does work in their favor that the expanded playoffs really all they have to do is get to 500 and they're probably in the playoffs they just can't quite get to that 500 mark though and we just saw more of that in this series yeah you're right and in particular, you think of like guys who are supposed to be performing well, on, even on like the pitching staff, and Brandon Woodruff's one of them. We saw him this weekend series here not even make it through the fifth inning. Just kind of had a blow-up inning there, giving up three earned runs in that fifth inning on one was a, a terrible pitch to Jose Ramirez that he just mm-hmm. bombed well out of the park. But what else did you see in Woody's start that you know really didn't let him go pitch very well? I think that final at-bat to Ramirez really took a lot out of him. And we saw something similar a couple starts ago in Chicago where he had this long, long at-bat with Jason Kipnis. I believe it was Jason Kipnis. You can correct me if I'm wrong on that. Uh, but this long at-bat against Kipnis, and it just kept going on and on. And Woodruff was throwing the kitchen sink at him, giving him everything he had. He kept following pitches off. Finally leaves him over the plate. Kipnis gets a base hit, and then it really just starts to unravel from there. It was kind of similar in this start. You know, he was rolling along, and then up comes 
Jose Ramirez, who Woodruff threw him a lot of good pitches in that at bat. He gave him everything he had, threw some good fastballs, mixed in a really nice breaking ball that Ramirez laid off of, threw him some changeups. He was changing speeds, changing eye levels, changing location. Ramirez just kept hanging in there. And then eventually he gave him that fastball that just wasn't high enough, and it was a pretty hittable pitch. And he was a bit surprised that the ball left the yard, and I guess I can understand that. But really, it wasn't a very good pitch, and eventually it you know, it kind of felt like he just gave in on that last one and was just trying to get something over the plate, and Ramirez did damage to it. But I think this is something we've seen with Brandon Woodruff for a while now. He, he looks sharp in the early going. He gets on a roll. And then once you get into those middle innings, he just kind of starts to hit a wall a little bit. And I just think it's that one, again, that's one thing that he just needs to get over before he can take that next step. And I think the Brewers were counting on him to take that next step, but it just hasn't happened yet. So Woodruff has made nine starts this season, and in six of those nine starts, he's gone five innings or fewer. And that includes three starts where he's gone fewer than five innings. And that, again, includes the start that he made against the Indians. And I think it's really the thing you have to remember here is that Woodruff has not been bad this season. He's been fine. He's been serviceable. He's over um, one war this season already, according to Fangraph. So he's doing fine. He just hasn't quite done what the Brewers were hoping for. I think normally if you had a young guy who was having the kind of season Woodruff's had at this point, you would say, okay, that's good. He's he's making progress. You're on the right track. But the expectations were very high for Brandon Woodruff going into this season, and he just hasn't quite been able to give the Brewers what they were looking for. And that's something that continued in that last start, and it's going to be interesting to see if he can get to the point where he can start working deeper into games because that's really the next step for him moving forward. Yeah, before we go on to my favorite topic to talk about with the Brewers. I do want to ask you one follow-up about Woodruff. Do you think as fans and even as an organization that we put too much kind of, not necessarily faith, but expectations into Brandon Woodruff this year? Obviously he was great last year and we kind of expected him to continue on that trajectory, but do you think we're putting too much into that knowing that he's such a young pitcher and he has to he still has to develop because he is so young. Um, do you think we had too much expectations or do you think what we were initially thinking of, you know, he was going to be that ace that every fifth day he's out there six, seven innings. Do you think that was just too early for him and he'll come around, you know, finishing out this year into next year? Or is this, is that something that he's just not going to be able to live up to? Earlier this year, going into the season, I was one of the guys that had very high expectations for him. And you guys were too, to an extent. And I still stand by that because last year he was he was exceptional. And all of the, the underlying metrics and the peripherals all backed it up that this guy clearly had the stuff. And he showed us last season that he has the ability to work deep into games and consistently dominate hitters over, you know, a significant sample size, you know, going deep into games and working 200 innings. That was obviously the next step for him because we did have the, the smaller sample size due to the injury that he dealt with in the second half. However, all of the, the metrics pointed to him being legitimate and he has stuff that you would 
think that, you know, he can get through an opposing order multiple times, especially after it came out in spring training that he was really focusing on his changeup, which was a good third pitch for him to have if he's going to face an opposing order three, maybe four times in a game. I do think we have to keep in mind with young pitchers, obviously development is not linear, but I think at the very least Woodruff was going to remain a serviceable, a valuable member of this rotation. And so far I would say that's been the case. He is for the most part, he has kept the brewers in the game on the mound. And I would say that was the floor for him this season. The ceiling is that he's the guy who, you know, takes the ball every fifth day. You're feeling pretty good that you're going to win that game and that he's going to give you six, seven innings every time out. So I would say our expectations were not too high because I think the odds of Woodruff taking that next step were just as likely, if not more likely, than him maybe taking a very slight step back. And I just think that when you look at his performance last year, everything was pointing up. And so I think for that reason, it wasn't over the top to get overly excited about him. I think that was perfectly justified. And I'm still very excited about him. I think he's going to, sooner or later, he's going to get over this. You know, he's going to stop having that big inning that always seems to do him in. And he's going to become that guy who can work deeper into games. You also have to consider, you know, this season is different than any other season we've seen before. Woodruff didn't quite have the the typical ramp up time that a pitcher would normally get in spring training he basically all the way stretched out back in february and march had to shut it down he kept throwing bullpens but that's not quite the same thing as stretching yourself out and is in a more competitive environment even if that's only spring training games you get stretched out and then you have that hiatus and you come back for what was it two camp so i think that's something that you also need to consider but no i i don't think we were I don't think we were overhyping Brandon Woodruff. I think, based on what he did last season, the, the expectations that we had for him and the expectations that the Brewers had for him were reasonable ones. And that is why I think it's it's easy to be a little disappointed in what he's done so far. But I do think, you know, the stuff is still there. And for the most part, his metrics look pretty good, pretty similar to what we saw last year. So I think sooner or later, he is going to start working deeper into games Will that happen this year? I don't know because we've only got three weeks left. But I think come next year, he's really going to start to take that next step, especially if he gets a normal offseason and a normal ramp-up period next year, unlike what he had uh, coming into this year. That's kind of what I was hoping you'd say. You know, It's not that he's losing anything or his stuff is not the same. It's, it like you said, progression, in ba- especially baseball, is not linear. Like... We see Christian Yelich struggling at the plate this year. He's not living up to expectations. There's a lot more on this ball club than just Brandon Woodruff not living up to expectations. But one guy that really shows us that linear is not progression in baseball is Corbin Burns. You know, 2018, absolutely incredible. You know, we kind of expected him to take off in 2019 and be kind of a face for this Brewers organization and he really struggled last year and it seems like we have 2018 Corbin Burns back again. I wasn't really able to watch this game and I really love watching Corbin Burns pitch but does he continues to be impressive and it sounds like in this Indian series he was able to keep that up again. Right now, I mean, 2.35 season ERA. What are your thoughts on on Corbin Burns so far this year? 
So you, I heard you say that we have 2018 Corbin Burns back. I'm not, I'm not trying to be rude or anything, but I am going to correct that a little bit. We don't have 2018 Corbin Burns back. This is a different version of Corbin Burns that we have yet to have seen at the big league level. He has completely overhauled his approach and his arsenal. Last season, we talked about how the pitch that gave him problems was the four-seam fastball, and he threw that over 50% of the time, and it just got absolutely smoked because he threw it down in the zone, and it was very straight. And so the thing I wanted him to do was start elevating that pitch. He went a different direction. He wanted to keep pitching down in the zone, apparently, or maybe he didn't, whatever the reasoning was. He essentially got rid of his four-seam fastball. He is almost never throwing that pitch. Instead, his primary pitch is now that power sinker, and he's still throwing it 97 to 98 miles an hour, except it now has ridiculous movement down and in on a right-handed hitter. And that's been a very good pitch for him. It's a lot harder to square that up. So as a result, we've seen his quality of contact metrics have improved a little bit. And, And he's also... Instead of increasing his slider usage, that has actually gone down as well, and he's introduced this power cutter that he's using, and that's been a big out pitch for him as well, especially for inducing swings and misses. So the biggest change that we've seen for Corbin Burns, the the easiest way for me to sum it up in a few words without rambling on here, is 2019 Corbin Burns, very movement. 2020 Corbin Burns, everything moves whether he's throwing you a sinker or he's throwing you a cutter or he's giving you a changeup, and then maybe he'll mix in that slider or that curveball. Nothing that Corbin Burns is throwing this year is straight. Everything's moving in, whether it's that sinker coming in on your hands, cutter coming in on the hands of a lefty or going out to a righty or the changeup. Everything moves, and that's really been the big key for him this year, in my opinion. Yeah, that's a really good, interesting analysis of Corbin Burns. I mean, you think of other pitchers on the Brewers who have five or six pitches if you're Josh Lindblom and just that variability you see lots of swing and miss stuff with both of those guys Lindblom and Corbin Burns of course every pitch is essentially a power pitch it feels like when Corbin's out there (laughs) he's just got such good velocity Uh, so yeah it's kind of good to to see him I think what people say said earlier on was utilizing the spin rate right it's not just sitting up there I mean that's obviously a f- expression of speech there but it's actually his pitches are moving a lot more and dancing around and I think for me the biggest things is I'm seeing him command everything really well it seems like when he's missing it's just off the corners or just off the plates um, instead of kind of what you said not leaving him right down the middle like he did uh, last year so I don't know. I really like what I'm seeing out of Burns. Do you have anything else on him? He's put together a couple good back-to-back starts here now and um, really has been uh, a good man in this rotation so far. I would say that the first couple times out, he was effectively wild, so to say. He wasn't getting hammered, but there were clearly times where he was just kind of all over the place and he really didn't have any idea where the baseball was going. And his walk rate was pretty high in his first three or four appearances. And I think that comes down to just getting used to his new pitches, getting used to that movement that he's come out with compared to last year. But in these last couple of starts, we've really seen him start to harness that movement. And now he's he's living on the edges. He knows where the pitch is going. He's been able 
to command those pitches. And he's got these pitches dancing around the strike zone. And even when he's missing, they're close pitches. And he's very rarely letting pitches leak over the heart of the plate like he did last year. So I think even just within this season, we're seeing development. Because the first step for him was making those changes to his arsenal. The next step was harnessing that arsenal and really starting to get command on those pitches. And that's what we've really seen happen in these last couple of starts where he has just absolutely looked dialed in. Yep. Hopefully we're not about to jinx him. So <laughs> that would be that would be bad. But we got a little sidetracked here, like I figured we would. Let's kind of bring us back into the Indian series here. It was the first three games that we got to see the newest brewer, Daniel Volgebach, in the lineup. And I know my first impression of him was he essentially looks like someone from my local softball team who drinks too much beer just got put in the lineup. <laughs> but what, what did you think of what you saw out of him this weekend and what he can do going forward? I think the funny thing was uh, with Vogelbach, his first two hits as a brewer are something you will almost never see him do. Because Vogelbach, like a lot of you know big power hitters, he's going to try to pull the ball in the air. And his first two hits as a brewer were two dribblers to the left side of the yeah, the left side of the field that beat the ship. And, you know, Bill Schroeder was just loving that, especially because he's more of an old school analyst in many regards. But I thought that was funny to see him kind of go against his usual profile to get his first couple of hits. But then he did pull a double down the right field line uh, later in the series. But, you know, it's it's good to see him getting hits and it's good to see him looking a little bit better at the plate than he uh, with Seattle and in his brief two-game stint with Toronto earlier this year. So, you know, change of scenery might help him out. I'm really not overly optimistic about him because I think his profile is fairly similar to that of Justin Smoke when Justin Smoke is going right. Obviously, Smoke didn't have that profile on display much this year because he was swinging and missing a ton and not drawing walks at the rate that he typically does. But Vogelbach is younger than Smoke, and he has more years of control, and I'm guessing that was a big reason why the Brewers decided to make this move. I think the biggest thing, though, that was actually pointed out by one of my colleagues at Brewer Balls, he can be a fun player to watch. He's just he's more interesting to watch than Justin Smoke is because if you look at Vogelbach, I don't I want to don't want to stereotype too significantly here, but he just if you look at him, he kind of screams Milwaukee, if you know what I mean. <laughs> um, but he's and he's gonna be he's gonna be an entertaining guy to watch. You know, it was fun to watch him leg out that double because he's obviously not fleet of foot. And it was an interesting slide that he made into second base that resulted in him nearly getting thrown out. Uh, but he's gonna be a fun guy to watch. I think you know he may not he may contribute to the club the brewers might catch lightning of lightning in a bottle here maybe he gets hot down the stretch maybe he doesn't i think we just got to kind of wait and see with what happens with him my expectations aren't too high but you know anything he can provide is gravy he's going to be in that lineup regularly regularly at the designated hitter position so we'll see what happens yes definitely worth seeing what'll happen there i mean for a guy who in five years of MLB experience, isn't hitting over 200, but did hit 30 home runs last year and drew a lot of walks. Uh, it, I guess it'll be really interesting, like you said, to see where he is going forward, not just this year, but in years to come as well. Let's move ahead here. Let's wrap up this Indian series. Um, let's have you pick a series MVP. 
and a series dud. Which one do you want to start with first? I think I'll go in the same order that the Brewers went with the good and then you end with the bad. So I'll start out with the series MVP and my pick. I think it was a pretty obvious one. I picked Keston Hira. He only had three hits in this series, but two of them were home runs. He went deep in each of the first two games of this series. And that's especially good for him to see because he obviously hasn't been nearly as successful at the plate as he was last season. And I think we talked about this before, where I was a little bit concerned about the strikeouts coming back to get him in his sophomore season. And so far, that's been the case. He's striking out even more often than he did last year. His strikeout rate is about 33%, which is well above what he, what you want it to be. And he's especially struggled with fastballs this year. And part of that has been the book is out on him a little bit, and pitchers have been more than willing to be aggressive with him, even in the strike zone, and attack him with fastballs. And he's swinging and missing at fastballs at a very high rate. A little bit concerning, but I think that'll get ironed out a little bit as he gets more experience. So he has a 106 weighted runs created plus on this season. And just to provide some context to that, uh, 100 is league average for that stat. So he's been slightly above league average in spite of the swing and miss issues and that's because he's been able to provide some power at the plate and that includes what he did in this last series and one of his home runs was on a fastball which is again encouraging to see because that's a pitch that he's really struggled against this year but you know I think anytime that we get you know a nice good performance from Keston Hira that's good to see because obviously you want him to take more steps forward because he is a big part of the Brewers future and he's a guy that the Brewers are counting on to hit and to hit very well. So good series overall, you know, two home runs. If you hit two home runs in a series, that's a pretty good series. So I was glad to see him get into a couple. So he's my pick for series MVP. Awesome. Yeah. Couldn't agree more. He, he certainly had a good week in general when you back it up even a little bit further as well. What about a series dud for you? Who do you got? Series dud. This is not something I would have ever expected to say really at any point this season if you would have told me this a couple months ago. But series dud, Christian Yelich. He just did not look like himself. He hasn't looked like himself all season, uh, but it was especially bad in this series. He reached base four times in 14 plate appearances, two singles, two walks. He struck out six times, and he had an especially rough day against Shane Bieber in the series finale. He went down swinging on some curveballs, a couple of which weren't even really that close to the strike zone. Just looked like he was not seeing the ball very well at all, and he didn't look very comfortable up at the plate. And I think at this point, we got to recognize this is, again, this is not a normal season, and it's definitely not a normal season for Christian Yelich. He injured his kneecap, broke it when he hit that foul ball off of it down the stretch last year. So rehabbed that, was about to come back, and then everything got shut down. So he went a very long time without really getting a significant amount of plate appearances and game action. And, you know, that could be something that's kind of carried over into this year. So I think at this point we have to realize that Yelich just isn't going to look like himself this season. I mean, we only have three weeks left. Maybe he gets hot now that I said that. I hope he gets hot now that I said that. But I think at this point it's just he's not going to look like himself for the rest of this year. Again, hope I'm wrong. 
But the good news is he's still drawing a lot of walks and he's still hitting for power. So I'm not especially worried about him going into next year. I think, again, with a return to a more normal normal routine, we're going to see a return to the normal production. But this was just a really rough series for Christian Yelich. And it's something that we've kind of seen all year long. He just can't quite get going and look like he did the last two years. You know, he'll still pop plenty of home runs. But that's about the only positive we've seen for him this year, in addition to the walk rate remaining up there. So, yeah, rough series for him. Just not the best season for him in general. Again, he's another guy who he has still been an above-average hitter in spite of those struggles. But, yeah, rough series for him. Just not a typical year for him. You mentioned you wanted to kind of jinx that and make Christian come back to his old form by saying that I tried that the first two weeks of the season and obviously mine didn't work. So hopefully you have better luck with that. (laughs) You know what? I mean, I picked Justin smoke to be one of the best power hitters in the national league this year, and that didn't pan out. So I'm going to try to use my powers for good one for once. (laughs) We'll see if that comes to fruition or not. I have no idea. Well, only time will tell. Hopefully, what, after this next Tiger series, we're going, yeah, Yelich for MVP. We'll see. (laughs) So we'll give you all the credit when that happens for sure. (laughs) All right. Well, thanks for joining the show again. It has been a blast. Can you remind our listeners one more time where they can find all the work you do? All right. You can find my articles at brewcrewball.com. Or if you just want the shorter version of all of my stuff, you can follow me on Twitter at Baseball7310. You know, I'll send out, I don't know, probably too many tweets per day, but I try to get some good baseball and Brewers nuggets in there as often as I can. Or again, you can read my articles at BrewCrewBall.com. Awesome. There you go. Everybody knows now, must read material. So thanks again. This has been awesome. Yeah, thanks for having me, guys. And coming up next, the Brewers have a, f- a familiar foe. We got another two games set against the Detroit Tigers coming up here. So not a whole lot to preview in terms of what's going on with them, seeing how we just played them last week. But it is a short two games. Game one, we'll see Hauser versus Turnbull. And then game two, we'll see Burns versus Matthew Boyd. So exciting matchup there. Since we last saw the Tigers, I mean, they were hot when we played them last time, and now it's really the opposite. Since we last saw them, they've played five games against the Twins, a couple doubleheaders in there, obviously, and they lost four of those five games. So, you know, hopefully this is kind of the opposite of when we were coming in to play them last time. Twins were hot, and then they continued that hot streak, and now they're coming in. Uh, a, a little bit of a losing streak here or in some losing ways and hopefully the Brewers are able to capitalize on that for as you know we got what three weeks left in the regular season so the Brewers need to win as many of these games as possible they're obviously in the thick of playoff contention despite being under 500 so if they can start getting over this hump here and get a couple games above 500 i would feel a lot better about the postseason and how that would go if they do indeed make it so we do have to take it one game at a time we have the off day on thursday the 10th here and then another weekend series after that so 
This Tiger Series recap will come out for you guys on Thursday the 10th, so be on the lookout for that. Also look out for our Packers preview podcast. We'll have that against the uh, Minnesota Vikings for week one coming up here. So make sure you check all that out, and I will talk to you later, Brewer fans.